0: This is the, mine. this is the cutest episode of 100 Proof we will be ever doing.
1: Listen, well, here's the deal. Mao told us for those who are watching uh, that we were supposed to. For uh, by the way, welcome to 100 Proof, everyone. Your weekly podcast dedicated to all things. Let's go NFTs. Um, so Derek, uh, yeah, we Mao was giving us shit because we were wearing baseball hats the entire time. We wanted to, you know, look a little bit more presentable, a little more professional. Is- and we would pick matching beanies. We Which had to do great. it, dude.
0: We Hold we on. had to go there. I saw you got something down there, dude. Is that the uh, is that
1: the squiggle Marfa beanie? There we go. Look at that. I'll thing, do that dude. one. That's that's a little, a little bit more on brand too. With the, so
0: uh, you are going to have to explain smart. where you got that uh, for the audience because these are pretty uh, these are pretty select. I I uh, I don't see these floating around very much.
1: Yeah, this one actually I did pick up a Marfa in in Texas. So we had that. Uh, you know, for those that haven't been. Definitely uh, pay attention next year when they throw their annual get together in Marfa because it is, I mean, it's so much fun. We we have a blast out there. It's the best. It's, yeah, it's the best. So, um, yeah, if you want to go uh, to Marfa, Texas, it's, it's you know, you have to fly in and then drive for a few hours. Um, and once you're there, though, it's very remote. It, they have a little Art Blocks house. There's like a dozen or so artists that show up. Tom Sachs was out there last time. Uh, you know, Dimitri's are always out there. Um, Tyler Hobbs, uh, was, was he there this last year? He was. Yeah, Tyler, yeah, was, Tyler there. was there. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Because I think he was on the fence of whether he was going to go or not. But, um, yeah, I mean, just all the, the great It was a great artists.
0: crew. Super great crew. Yeah. We got these, uh, amazing warm souvenirs as a, uh, as a, as a thank you, which was awesome from the box team. So I, I rock my swiggle beanie all the time.
1: And by the way, I got your, um your care package in the mail from someone on your team. Uh, oh, did the, you get the
0: the glitch hoodie? The glitch.
1: Yes. Well, not the hoodie. I didn't know there was a hoodie. Oh, dude. What? Don't salute until you, you sent me a hoodie. You saluted oh. too early.
0: All right. My, my B we got, we got you, Kevin. We'll, uh, well I got a it? white
1: t-shirt. and some stickers.
0: Zach, Zach, if you are listening to this, we need to get the man a hoodie. All right,
1: let's make Z- it happen. Zach was very nice and sent me some good stuff. So, uh, it, it, so yeah, let's talk about that real quick. Cause I, I think that'd be kind of fun. Um. You know, one of the things I was I was delighted to hear is that you opened a studio out there with Glitch, yep. but I, I'm curious, like, what are the hours of operation for something like that? Is it only when, because Marfa's kind of like, I can't imagine you have a lot of people walking in every day.
0: It's true. So, um, I think only about 1,500 people or so live in Marfa throughout the yeah. week, year-round, and then it expands on the weekends and during big events, and you start to see a big, a much bigger flood of people come in, but pretty small uh, in terms of just like day-to-day traffic. So the truth is, is like to start, it's been very limited uh, hours. We've got some stuff planned and we've been um, working through this internally and and thinking through strategy about how we want to approach the physical space and the digital space of Glitch here in the new year. And we've got some cool stuff we're cooking up around um, curation and finding really great objects to talk about and storytell around and uh, we're working with a gentleman named Malta over at um on the uh, Bright Moments crew to kind of help up with some of that curation and storytelling along with uh my wife Maddie. Um, but we've got we've got a team we're assembling internally to start doing some more day to day stuff and month to month stuff, both in person uh at the gallery and then also on the internet. Uh, that's the be- beauty of the space.
1: I always thought it was going to be something that was more kind of opportunistic, based on what was going on in Marfa, because you know there's there's massive events that happen there several times a year. It yep. was that kind of the thinking, like, hey, let's let's do this where it's you know if if there's enough traffic here, let's open it up. And then, you know, Quantum is you know another space down here in Santa Monica, right around the corner from here, and they they did a very similar thing. But you know, it's I think it's it's a hard thing to educate people about NFTs. Well, they they tried to sell NFTs there. And yes. you know, I think Justin would tell you, uh, and the and the team over there would tell you, it's 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 tough right now. You know. Yes.
0: Yeah, I would say differentiate in a couple of ways. The first, so to to your original question, like a hundred percent, we plan on having activations and exhibitions and live events there throughout the year. Um, there's the Marfa Invitational, which is coming up shortly. Uh, the Chinati Festival is always uh, just a a time when and when traffic floods in, and then. Of course, Art Blocks events as they continue to happen throughout the year in Marfa uh, will definitely be having a, a live presence there. I think because the focus of Glitch Gallery is so educational and not uh, there is no like monetization component. We're really just kind of focused on storytelling and activations around storytelling for educational purposes. And so um, I would say the stuff we've got in kind of the hopper right now that we're we're working through will mostly be around education. And I think the beauty of the space physically, but then also the fact that we're in a space that's digital, is that you can kind of do that storytelling uh, in real time in Marfa, but then also on the internet 24-7. And so I would say we'll we'll hopefully have something to share here in the next month um, around kind of how we're, we're going to be envisioning Glitch's participation in the, in the evolution of digital art and digital objects and this industry we're all in. Uh, but it'll be around um, kind of the physical digital intersection, which I'm pretty pumped about.
1: When when I'm I'm curious uh, with collab currency and and what you've built there, and just having a just a phenomenal portfolio of of companies in Web three. It's just like it's it truly is second to none. Like you guys are so native. It's, Thank you, it's dude. Ridiculous. Um It killed me. I remember <laughs> when we were first getting into Web three over at True, and we were talking about you know. How far in we go? Like, how much capital do we deploy into this? And I pulled up your fund page, and this is before we knew each other well. And I remember seeing, you know, your your fund page like listed you guys as CryptoPunks. I'm like, yeah. oh man, these these guys get it. Damn it! Like they're like so totally. on top of it. It was it was cool. But uh, have you announced your most recent fund size? Is that been? Uh, is that we actually
0: haven't now? yet. That will be okay. uh, announced way. so uh, probably in the next thirty to forty-five days, there should be a release okay. around our newest fund, and that will be Fund Three. Really excited to announce it. We've already been investing in out of that fund, and we've got some cool stuff in there that I'm excited to to talk about.
1: Do you um, buy NFTs at the fund level? Like is is that that is a varying? great question? That is a great question. We're really getting into it, Kev. Well, I just like, you know, we, we really, we, we always talk about the projects and what's going on, but like you have such a fantastic portfolio and you know, you're, I'm just curious what you're doing. Yes. So to date,
0: um, I would say my participation with the actual underlying objects. So the NFTs, whether it's art or collectibles or gaming assets or whatever it may be has really just come from me. So like my personal, I am personally, you know, I own a lot of these objects The fund has primarily focused on venture scale opportunities. So finding the best founders working on the biggest problems from like a platform and venture perspective and backing them. Um and not necessarily investing in NFTs themselves. Mm -hmm. We have invested a few in a few over the last few funds. Um, but but as it, you know, relates to the core strategy, it's really been on venture opportunities. So things like ArtBox and Super Rare and Quantum and Bright Moments and things like this. I will say Fund three, we have opened the aperture in terms of like what are the, the the possible surface area for venture style investment to include digital objects themselves, and so I expect uh, Fund three will have some exposure to the underlying objects in this space. Uh, I'm not totally ready to talk about what that looks like from a fund level yet, but um, okay. but certainly it will be part of the strategy as I expect. The, it will be part of the strategy for many other venture funds here in the future.
1: Are you buying Wolfgame NFTs?
0: So I am- We talked a- about this last week. It's true. So I am at a point right now with Wolfgame. I actually was following that project very early on at the very beginning. I owned plots and some of like the assets within it. And I would say just like my interest level kind of fizzled out there um, for about six months. It's unquestionable that, you know, it's like right back in prime time and Folks are talking about it, and so what I've just been trying to do over the last couple of weeks, after chatting with folks who are very deep in that ecosystem, like G uh and Eric um Snowfro and and a few others who have like recently really started to dig back in, is trying he to educate phrases. myself. You
1: saw what he did, right?
0: I saw that he he did he what did he hold a uh, punk one attribute. He punk? sold a punk. That's right. Um, and. The, I I uh, I so yeah. To answer your question, I've been trying to educate myself and really understand the surface area there a bit better. But it's um it's been interesting to see the revival there and and see people very excited about that. Where are you at with Wolfgang, dude?
1: You know, man, I wish I had the time. To be honest, like I just wish I had the time. We're both pretty I busy. Was, I was just working. I was working. and I spent the entire day. It's nighttime now. You can see outside here, and I spent the entire day working on on proof and moonbird stuff, and then. I remember it was I was sitting down I was having a sweet green for for lunch with was fantastic company uh and uh don't own own any shares or anything but uh actually sitting down and I pulled up the wolf game website and I was like okay i'm gonna, I'm gonna learn and I just like the music started playing, and I'm like, what am I doing like do I want to go down this rabbit hole totally. I went down so many rabbit holes and then you have to get yourself out of the rabbit hole and you go down another one I just you know that do not meant that you got me into I yeah. minted the I minted now the the second chapter. The what? The chapters, the chapters,
0: yes. Yeah, we're going to... So we actually... Uh, we have someone who is in the proof community who is deeper on that project than I think anyone else. We're going to have to do a show exclusively on that project to figure out what the hell is going on at some point. Um, yes. Because I feel like there's more than meets the eye, but I'm also not totally convinced that there is. And I think we just need an expert on Do Not Mint to come and sit down with Dude. us for an hour. And we just need to you, go through you're it. You're
1: shilling your bags to me on Do Not, not Met. True. You have to be the expert.
0: You, you. play the Mal, Mal needs to play the tape because that is not what happened <laughs> a year ago. What happened a year ago is like I just came across this thing. It's kind of interesting. Definitely don't buy it. Uh but uh it is pretty it is like the longest rug of all time. And the I'm longest like rug. You know what's interesting is like the dude whoever is behind that project, I'm not like there's no money that's been generated. Like there's right he's just been putting content or he or she has been putting content out for the better part of a year, every couple of weeks without fail, not selling a single thing. And I'm, part of me is like super skeptical. Like, are we just all kind of like walking blindly down this tunnel where like we're going to have to throw, you know, a couple thousand bucks at something here and pretty soon, or is there, uh, I don't know, is there some sort of just like public storytelling that this person is all about, and right. we're just all along for the ride, and it's kind of like a fun rug.
1: I I, I want to believe that it's like Banksy's first project or something. Like wouldn't some, that be awesome? That like you wouldn't that be awesome? And that yeah, like just like somebody that's just like playing the long game, you know? That
0: I don't it's know. basically why I'm still diverting some attention to the project, and I think why a couple of folks in Flamingo and Neon and a few of the Dows are interested. It's like some. I mean, at some point like something has to happen. And I think yeah. we're all just kind of TL- like, yeah.
1: The TLDR uh, to catch people up, capsules, literally project do not mint, you idiot, do not mint like 0% royalties. So the, the person that put it out there is not making anything back on the secondary sales. I bought a bunch of them for way more than Derek did. So I probably bought some of yours, but I uh, I bought a bunch after after you, you got excited about it because I don't know, I, we get excited. We pump each other up and we talk about this type of stuff. And then recently they said, okay, you can take the capsule and you can mint a chapter. My buddy who's in proof that's really deep on this went into the, all this stuff. And he's like, tell me about all the chapters. And apparently some of them are like written by AI and it's clear that they're AI. And then some of them might be written by humans. And so hmm. the crazy people are going in and, and applying AI detection algorithm against against all the chapters and trying to figure out, you know, of the ones that aren't written by AI, do they mean anything if you add them together or, you know, so it, there's just like a lot of sleuthing that's going on around this project, yes. which I, I love. I think it's a lot of fun. It is but, fun. But, um, yeah. Also, uh, also
0: a lot of work for two guys that have a, a, a booked calendar. So it's, uh, yeah. it's I, I'm super excited at some point to have, maybe have some of the folks in that community come on and kind of walk us through from the very first step what, yeah. it, what the hell is going on with Do Not Men
1: when when you think just a flip flop back and forth real quick when you when you th- when you think about wolf game and what you were into in the early days for, with that is there like w- why is snowfro buying wolf game stuff why is seed phrase like some of these big really well known influential players in the in the space buying do they see it as an investment opportunity or are they just playing they must see so, some type of investment
0: right so i i wish i knew i so i don't know the 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 exact answer to this question. I can tell you why I was interested at the very beginning. My view is,, um, and I think we're seeing this with projects like Do Not Mint, we're seeing it with Wolfgame, we're seeing it with others. you're able to build a gaming-like experience using blockchains, using digital assets that even if the, you know, the graphics or the UX isn't superb, You're still able to create an experience that's fun and financialized and interesting and keeps people attention and many economies of which the game can run, even using just text and photos and like, um, you know, storytelling. And I think we've seen time and time again that if you pair some of those storytelling like primitives with blockchain primitives, even if you don't have a fully fleshed game that people can play like you would on a console. Uh, or on, you know, that you would download from Steam and so on and so forth, you can actually create something that people want to play together. And I think Wolfgame kind of cracks that. I think they've created a system by which, you know, cohorts have formed and clans are, you know, working together to, you know, win these competitions and um be a part of something that's bigger themse- bigger than themselves. And they're using blockchain rails to do it, which is pretty exciting, right? Like that these types of experiences can affect this many people and um and even given the crudeness of like what the UX looks like. It's just that it's very illuminating because you can start to see a path towards very rich ecosystems or economies getting built out of this technology eventually when you pair some very well resourced individuals and some creativity with some of like the early kindling that we're seeing here.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm always curious if 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 there's a path to something that is is bigger in terms of, you know, if you go deep in that particular game, are you going to play and, and have fun for six months and you look back and you're like, okay, I'm out now. Or is this something that becomes, you know, I, I look at Axie Infinity and others and I'm like, okay, what am I, what's the end goal here? Like is this something that two decades from now will matter, right? Or or that if I'm, if I'm buying and I kind of like stop playing for a bit, is it for active participants or can it be for passive Investment, you know what I mean, like yeah. If I'm, if I'm collecting passively, I think the answer is it can be for both. Like when you
0: when these assets now can be priced, and there's a, you know, there's bidders and there's sellers, and there's markets that form around these specific assets. There are ways to passively play these economies and just like have broad exposure to the fact that they may continue to persist and grow in attention and um, could be valuable in the future. And there's also ways to make use out of those assets on an ongoing basis and like actually compete and play and try and derive like immediate short-term value and productivity out of those assets. And mm-hmm. I think the really clever ecosystems will figure out a way to have multiple audiences interact with these things um, such that, you know, they're getting the flywheel going in multiple directions. And I think Wolf Game is kind of, from, you know, the outside looking in, I'm currently, I don't own any of the assets. I'm still trying to like get up to speed on the excitement around it, but, um, they've, they're clearly resonating and there's some, they're doing something right over there.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's get into some of the, the crazier stuff that has happened, uh, since last week. Um, well, I got a question for you. Yeah. What is this?
0: What is this nape callers business?
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's the, it's, it's the callers. You saw the callers, right? We we'll drop a link dude, or or throw it up. Okay. We, we need to All talk right. about this. All right. So, so essentially, you know, it's the mutant hound callers is what it is technically. I, I wrote it wrong. It, it's kind of, it's, it's created by some, some board apes. Okay. And essentially this project is just something where, you know, for me not being in all these discords and I feel like the, I always look for signal and, and signal hits me, not just from one person, but when I hear multiple people that are the right types of people talking about a project it always you know is a little bell that goes off in my head it says pay attention now mm-hmm. that's not to say that hasn't happened and things have, have completely collapsed and and gone to zero so just to just to say that that <laughs> set, set the set the table but <laughs> uh, yeah exactly but the this is one of those projects where um i've seen it talked about amongst uh some friends and and some peers and people were mentioning um, you know, that there's this, these kind of new hounds that are being created out of these collars. And I think they're actually starting to mint as we speak, uh, and be revealed here any second now. Um, Can I ask you a and, question about this? Yeah.
0: So I'm looking at the art. I'm just kind of playing around. This is like, I mean, it's very clever. It's in the spirit of like the original Bored apes. apes art, right. but you're telling me, and I'm just getting up to speed here, that this is a derivative collection created by a fan of the Bored Apes Yuga universe. And he's taking the lore and spinning it out in a new direction. And it has a yes. team, an art team and a tech team that's working on building out a universe that's a derivative of the original. Is that right? That's right.
1: That's right. And that is it, my understanding that it was a, a handful of board Apes that are, are big fans that came in and said, we're going to take this kind of same type of vein and go after it and, and launch our own project. Apparently, it's an engineer that is out of, I want to say Israel. Um Go to uh, his Twitter handle is LIOR underscore ETH. And you'll find his um, kind of background uh, on there as well. So, you know, he's followed by 254 people that I follow, which is also another signal that I look at to see how many people are paying attention to somebody else's, you know, work. I'm curious to see how many people you follow. Um, So from everything I've heard, and I always ask like people like, what do you know of this founder? Like, what have they done prior? Um, and everything has come back so far from this guy saying that there's no flags, which is, which is good. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those things where I saw the art. I liked it. I liked that they were rallying a lot of, you know, ape holders to get excited about it. And it was just one of those things that, you know, it's, it's gone from 0.3 ETH to 1.7 ETH in a month. So it's been been on the rise. But I think people are are looking for another project to kind of get I mean, they always are, but they're looking for another project to get excited about. And I like how this is kind of playing to that audience. Yeah. You know why I like it? Because I look at the at the 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 Kennel Club and honestly, board apes are going to hate me for saying this. It's just bad art. It's not it's not that good. It's just not it's not nearly as cool as, as as how these look. You know, I'm just. I think and they got the mutant Dow around it. Uh, they've I don't know, this is a pretty cool this it, is cool. A cool project and um it, it was just something that I've been seeing and multiple friends have talked about. So I wanted to pick up a couple. And so I Yeah, I, I, I think it's cool.
0: I actually kinda like the art. I think it's interesting. I mean it's very much in like the vein of like the board ape universe. So if you if you dig that style, like this is very much in that spirit. The the, the also the interesting thing to hear, Kev, is like I don't know. I just, I love the idea of like communities picking up where Mm -hmm. the project has like, you know, they're shifting the resources in other directions. And if this is that idea where like they want to take on a piece of the lore and storytell and build a universe and assets around this thing that's very much under the umbrella of Bored Apes, but like now they're able to kind of uh, take this one piece of it in its own direction and commercialize it. It's kind of like in the spirit of everything we've talked about around CCO and Yes. around, you know, being able to, you know, monetize in new directions to help proliferate the meme and to like get people excited about the community. Now you run the risk because like, you know, the Yuga board ape stuff isn't like CCO that like Yuga could put the hammer down on this if they don't like it. Or, I mean, you're, you're running into kind of some, you know, possible frictions there. And, uh, my hope is that like, these guys have talked with the Yuga team and the Yuga team has like anointed or blessed the project. And, they're kind of watching closely to make sure that the IP doesn't run afoul from kind of the brand that they've built. But in general, this concept is really interesting to me. And I've
1: loved seeing experiments like this. And I'm hoping to see more of this um, over the well, next couple, couple of years. I don't see the same IP risk that you do because it's, you know, it's called mutant hound collars. Obviously, mutant is not a trademarkable term on its own. It's original art. It doesn't say anywhere that it's related. I mean, it's in the same vein of their art, but I, I don't think there would be a claim to be had here by Bored Apes on this particular project. You, you see something else that you you? You might
0: be right, but like, I think there is, there is the, yeah, no, it's a good point. I need to think more about just exactly, like I, I'm, I've I'm i literally seen three photos of this thing and just saw Mutant Hounds, so I need to kind of dig into the fact pattern a bit. Um, so maybe, you know, there's enough differentiation here where they're skirting any possible copyright or trademark stuff. Um, so it's a good point. I need to look into this a little bit more, but in general, this concept of like commercializing derivatives that spin out of IP or original projects, I think is a, a very interesting trend line that we should keep watching.
1: Yeah. And it's crazy. Some of the rare callers, um, cause they kind of did some of the scarcity at the caller level, um, before they're doing the reveal have sold for, for 90 ETH. Wow. W- which is just insane. That is, um, that is, and then you have to burn the collar to get a hound, and so that's how that that function works, which is is crazy.
0: Yeah, Though this is interesting. Let's let's keep an eye on this one, and maybe if you're, um, if any of the hound fans are out there, and you know, um, is it Leor?
1: Yeah, Leor, that sounds right. If you know
0: Lior, tell him to get in touch with us. We'd love to uh, to pick his brain a bit. This is pretty cool. Yeah.
1: I'll reach out to him and see if we can get him on the show to talk about the project because it, it does seem like a fun one. But you're, you're right in that like the, the thing that excites me most about CC0 and Moonbirds is honestly what we haven't done, which is get the, the actual DAO up and running so that we can deputize and empower community members. Because we've seen, speaking of which, uh, look at this thing right here, dude.
0: Oh, this my is God. A, is that a, a
1: Moonbirds holographic? card? That's awesome. Yeah, a holographic Moonbirds playing card that one of our community members um, dropped by uh, the the office today. And this isn't to try and sell anything. They already sold out completely of these things. Unreal. They did, they did a season one. But it just goes to show, we didn't even have to talk to them. That's the power of CC0. Mm. They just Love went it. and built the entire game, printed these, sold them out. And the, the guy was stoked. Like He came by the office, super nice guy. And uh, you know he was just like, uh, this was his little side hustle business, awesome. you know that he's building, and he's going to be doing it for other collections. And other, it's like fantastic. You've started a new business that makes me really happy, you know. Yeah. And so we want to see more of that. And I think they, that that DAOs with capital will be able to empower folks to go out and build and take it in new directions. If someone wants to make baby moonbirds or whatever the hell they want, like let's go, like we'll support them. Like this is anything the, that furthers the this mission, is you know? the
0: beauty of. Ethereum and these trust-minimized blockchains, these ledgers, that anyone can walk up to this architecture and create value on top. And there's no, it's incredibly neutral architecture. Anyone can do anything they want on top of this stuff. And CCO is the same principles. It's you know this is a platform by which anyone can walk up to and build new value on top. And so uh, you know, spiritually and um, and from like a practical perspective as well, I I. It aligns with me so much seeing these kind of economic experiments being run because I think some very interesting, valuable stuff is going to get built out using this stuff as a platform. Whether it's mutant hounds and digital assets, or trading card games, or you know whatever it may be, I think the, the the beauty of CCO is that it acts very much like this credible neutral layer, similar to why we've seen, you know, the long tail of experiments get built on Ethereum. So it's very yeah. cool to
1: see this stuff play out. Speaking of people that are, are just really helping push the space forward and that are very much aligned with CC0, um, you know, 6529, have you seen the action that's been... I've been watching what, that
0: collection rip. And you know what's interesting yeah. is he um, he got some very talented artists, I think, to do some of these these mints. I'm a Grant Yoon fan. I think he's uh, very... He was a grail artist. He's uh, exceptional at networking his collection and... and um really giving back to the community but then also being in conversation with the community around digital art and I know his collection has done with the 6529 stuff has done well uh among others but it's been it's been interesting to watch that one play out I'm not a collector I'm kind of watching from afar but um it is a very interesting collection so kudos to 6529 and and for folks that are are geeked up about that one because it's been it's been kind of a ride there these last uh these last couple of weeks
1: yeah he's been building quite the it's really just an enterprise at this point you know with the the whole open metaverse plans that he has and like it's just the capital side of the business which has been acquiring you know some great nfts like it's uh it's been fun to watch so this is it's it's cool stuff it's really cool so definitely something to pay attention to um awesome so you had a couple other projects that you uh friendship bracelets man
0: i know and you know what's crazy is um when I wrote this a few hours ago, the floor was at 0.5 ETH, and now we're up to, I think, 0.62 or 0.63, but <laughs> just to kind of level set, uh, these furniture bracelets are, are pretty cool. So we talked about it on the show when they came out. This was back in, I want to say it's no, November when we first brought it up on the show, but it, it was essentially um, a generative drop uh, with an artist named Mac and Snowfro as a collaboration. And uh the idea was if you had ever if you owned an art box piece, whether it was from the curated section or the playground section or the factory section, if you had just if you owned one at the snapshot date, you would be allowed to mint two friendship bracelets for free. And it was a generative art wallet, not per piece. and Per wallet. Per wallet. You
1: were correct.
0: (laughs) It's true. Per wallet. Per wallet. And so um the idea was, you know, it was a, an, a very awesome generative drop that was one, like a very cool piece of dynamic art, but then also inside of each, uh, un- if you unbundle the art in the live view, you could actually see a way to create a real world friendship bracelet using string that you could just find at the hardware store. And so it was this tease of this idea between the digital and the physical by two really great generative artists. And it was like a, a thank you to people who had engaged with the Artbox ecosystem. And they minted for free and they continued to mint for free up until yesterday. And um, I mean, the there has been 38,000 of these minted and the floor price for an individual generative free bracelet is now 0.62 ETH. So its um, it's been wild. I mean, people really have flocked to this project. I think it's, it's been an amazing way to see kind of the network effects of this space kind of grab hold of something that the community agrees is valuable and rally around it. And I also think it's very interesting that the people who are holding this thing are a qualified audience of people who have ever actually inter- interacted with the ecosystem. So it's almost like a, wasn't meant to be, but like a whitelist function that acts as you know, a gating tool to keep people who, to, to give people who, you know, should probably uh, want to hold this thing the ability to mint it. And so it's, this community has rallied around this thing. It's, um, it's kind of a, it's been awesome and defying our expectations of how value should accrete in this space, seeing something with such a large size, 38,000, become so valuable in such a short amount of time. What,
1: what are your thoughts on this, Kev? Uh, you know, it's, I, I didn't have any strong feelings one way or the other. I thought it was clever in that it was, um, you know, when you went to Marfa, tying it back to Marfa again, they were giving out little friendship bracelet kits so you could yep. make your own friendship bracelets. Um, it's fun. It's, it's like Snowfro has this, this, um, this beautiful idea of being able to sit, take something that is digital and somehow link it to the physical and multiple things that, you know, that he's yeah. starting to touch. Um, so this is uh, a representation of that. I didn't know till a couple of days ago that it had full-on instructions that you could reveal by interacting with it, which yep. is pretty cool. It's pretty neat. Um, I will say I didn't think much of them, and I ended up purchasing a bunch not too long ago, maybe a month or two ago. And the reason I did so was because one of my employees, again with the signal, said one simple phrase, and, and she's a little bit of a DJ. And so she said, um, these are our, like my generation or something along the, these lines. I'm paraphrasing. But this is like my generation's c- Chr- chromey Squiggle. Like I missed the chromey Squiggle. This is like my, my chance, you interesting. know? Interesting. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> like <laughs> if you think this is your chromey Squiggle, like these things are going to go to five ETH or whatever, right? So like I'm in. I picked up like 20 of them or something and they were a lot cheaper than they are today. Cool. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was just hearing that. And, and, and this is this comes back to this. I'm sure you're kind of the same way in that if you want to play in the space, you have to realize that you can't have eyes and ears. You can't you can't scale yourself. Right. So you have to find trusted people that see around corners before you do that can go out and bring Intel back to you when you have these conversations, you know, and you and you share. So we all kind of share like, I think this is hot. This is why This is the artist behind it. This is why. I'm excited about it. It's doing a new, you know, mechanic I've never seen before. Like we talk about all these things, right? And, and so you've got to find that tribe or build that tribe. And, you know, that's, I think that's so important to, to collecting in this space, you know, is it's, it's finding the stuff early. So, um, yeah, this is a fun one. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful little piece. And if this, if this is like a, a bigger, it's seen as a bigger Chromie Squiggle because of Eric's involvement, Snowfro's involvement in this thing, um, I don't know could could keep going from here who knows though we're, we're also in a little bit of a a, a bull run you know we, we've kind of seen that for a, a few weeks now
0: yeah it uh mm. I'll, just a couple of things on that uh, i totally agree like this is we're all learning out here kev we're all sharing ideas we're all trying to f- figure out our own individual collecting styles and and bounce ideas and feedback off of others and find you know what it is that we want to hold and what we love and where we think um, value might accrete to our own collections, uh, so I totally, I totally agree with your your approach there. Um, the only other thing I would add is just, you know, uh, it's. To, we'll have to keep watching this phenomenon, but we're starting to see it with kind of open editions and um, projects that are launching on things like Manifold and Transient, um, where you know, collector or creators are creating these projects and doing these drops and. They're networking these these open editions very quickly, you know, 100 mints here, 500 mints here, 1,000 mints here. And it's mm. having an interesting effect around bringing communities and community formation very quickly. And there's something to be said about the trading off that happens when you don't optimize for hyper-scarcity and optimize for community building. Um, yes. Generative Art is great at that. And so there is, you know, a trend here to be paying attention to when we talk about 38,000 of these existing and the fact that I think there's something like fourteen thousand unique holders of this collection mm-hmm. at this point, I mean that's a network, right? And when you think about the power of the internet and the power of means and the ability for information to move at the speed of 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 light, you know the the really cool thing to think about is that's fourteen thousand more people that can network an asset than just one single owner of a one of one, as an example. Um, so I think a trend line that I just want to kind of bring into focus is what does it mean to network these assets, whether it's through the holder count or through other products that you can build or making things CCO or, or doing different, like creating a service here for these assets to get networked over time, such that hundreds of thousands, millions of people are interacting with single collections. I think that Mm -hmm. is a, that is an area of interest for me. So there'll be a, this is just one more data point in that, that grand trend line, I think.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really hard thing when I chat with artists. Um, They want to figure out, you know, do I, how many do I produce of said mint Uh, on the generative side? I've had conversations around this on the one-on-one side. Do I do additions? Do I not? Um, And I think that, you know, as an artist, a lot of trad art collectors um, and and some of the, the gallery owners that I've met with, they will all tell you that an artist needs to have enough pieces out there for them to be, you know, uh, uh, really establish themselves. They need to have enough, uh, of this network, this, this group of individuals that are super fans. Right. And so it's, I think when you do something like a giveaway combined with a way to make there be enough unique wallets that are collecting it, uh, combined with just, um, this idea that if you can get people to believe that you're not in it just for the money, but you're actually giving back to the community, it's a very powerful thing in that you will get enough momentum. And if you build a crowd of these super fans, um, they kind of carry the project for you and they become your best brand advocates. Right. And so I think what, what we're seeing here with these, this kind of free giveaway, it was such a nice like little surprise for people like, Oh, this is awesome. I get to mint these things. And because they were framed as friendship bracelets, like I gave one to a friend of mine and like they were very much, about sharing, right? And bringing other people exactly. into the fold. Totally. And I know that was a very common use case for these is like, who can I give one to to introduce them to NFTs, you know? And now you have all these other people that are becoming like fans of art blocks because this is their very first piece, which is pretty awesome. So it was it's- a brilliant move. Uh, Snowfro is just, you know, He's damn smart, he, like, dude. He's, he's
0: living. He's lived a few years ahead of the rest of us.
1: Uh, he's also just so nice. I'm like, how can you be all those things? Like nice uh, and smart. He's and the, just like, he's he's the perfect human, dude. He's the perfect yeah. human. We need to clone him. Let's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this it's it's crazy. We need yeah protect and and save snowgo exactly. uh, from all things bad. Um. So anyway, yeah, I'm a fan. How many of these uh, bad boys do you own? I own quite a bit. Um give me give me some numbers here. What's your what's your bag?
0: I I own over I'll just say I own over yes. I own over a hundred and I own less oh my God. less than three hundred. Um mm. I like this project a lot. And so um yeah, I um I, I will also say Kevin to your last point, I'm planning on gifting these and like using these as an onboarding tool for people who are interested about Web3 who have curiosity and um I think there's something really cool about like me being able to gift one of these to somebody that I meet in the future and explain to them what you know provenance means as it relates to digital objects, yeah. what ownership over a digital object means, why this one is unique and how it was created procedurally on demand uh, by me when I uh, made it or by whoever created it. I think that's a really powerful forcing function to get people to understand what's going on here. And as I have conversations with folks like I want to use this as a tool to be able to, to do that in yeah. the same way that, you know, Eric was giving away chromie squiggles, you know, to anyone that he would meet for the first year. Um, whether it was a collector or, you know, a potential partner or a gallery or a museum. He was so kind.
1: He was so kind. I, I mean, like I met him one time and he was like, here's a free squiggle. And I was like, dude, you're the nicest guy. Like, exactly. Like, and like insane. And
0: I mean that really like that ability to have a, not just a verbal conversation, but then a proof of concept to be able to explain why this stuff is so powerful and to get people so resonant to like owning a digital object. That is something that is pretty killer. And so I want to be able to do that.
1: It's so mind blowing when you think about snow just gifting those things away, just randomly minting them for people. And I know every once in a while, I mean, he's coming up on the end of the collection because he only has a few hundred left, but every once in a while he still does it. And you know, it's changed, right? Like, before, when he was gifting these away, I think when he minted mine, like it was a couple hundred bucks worth of value. And you're like, man, thank you. You know, that's mm. awesome. Now he's dropping like a used Volkswagen on people when he just like totally. gives them away. Like they're, they're like it's you know, wild. like 20 grand or something or whatever, you know, it's just like, boom, car right on you just for. Totally. So what you're, Derek, so let me, uh, just so I hear you correctly, proof of conference: someone walks up to you, they have a conversation, they get a free friendship bracelet from you. It's
0: essentially what you're saying. So, well, you just know checking. what? You know what would be really fun is like I have so many, like I have so many random NFTs at this point, and like I've thought about just like throwing them all in a hot wallet, and just the first one that comes up in a conversation with someone, I'm like, here, here's an obit. Like you can have one of these CryptoPunk derivatives, or here is you know this like random generative drop from Tezos or here is something like there's something yeah. so, so cool about that. I'll throw some friendship bracelets in there for sure. Um, and I definitely want to, uh, yeah, long story short, we may see some stuff at
1: proof of conference. So keep me Dude, honest proof there. Proof conference. I'm working on some crazy. I want to have some, some crazy things happen there, you know, talk to me from a, from a Let's drop standpoint. And just like, a, I, I just want it to be so that, you know, if you attend and you come out, there is great talks, like check, like got to have that, obviously. Um, one track, so it's not too, you know, mm. all over the place. Great hangout spaces for people. And then just a shit ton of fantastic artists doing wild stuff. Mm. So that you can be like, you know, I'm going to go over here to this area and watch this artist do this thing, which may be a live mint or maybe a demonstration mm. of something. And Very and cool. so, you know, all condensed within just a couple blocks because we have this whole, whole area that's a couple I'd say like probably like five blocks large and it's all, you know, closed off. And so you can walk around and have these amazing experiences. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Damn but a lot of it has to do with like the planning I'm, I'm in the middle of right now. just did to today was, you know, what are the, what, how do we provide the easiest and safest way for people to live mint and do those things at a conference like this? Right. Yes. And so we're, we're working on that, but we've got some some killer ideas uh, Love it. around that. So it's gonna be fun. Love it. I got a topic. All right.
0: Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Base AF, and I'm close to this one. I've known Robin for a long time. Uh, super massive. Um, but maybe some context is warranted here. You know, we've um, I, the first time I ever chatted with you on a podcast of that this is I think I came on to um, the Proof Pod maybe about a year ago, and. I talked about this idea as attention is the scarce resource. And mm-hmm. I, like, I think I, gave, I provided a couple of examples, but there is no better example than someone like what Mr. Beast has been able to do, which is this 24-year-old kid who has something like 125 million YouTube subscribers that are watching his every move. And he is monetizing that attention in a variety of different ways. And so it could be, you know, opening up a hamburger store in every city, major city in the U.S. and selling out hamburgers in a 24-hour period. It could be, you know, the typical merch and gear, you know, people want to, like, rep beast stuff. It could be just, you know, through normal YouTube ads or partnerships or whatever, maybe. But he has figured out a way to create attention around himself and around his product, which is these videos, and monetize that over time. I think the it came out at the end of last year that you know he had had buyers that wanted to buy his YouTube account and all of his associated properties for something like a billion dollars. And um about a few months ago there was a you know a leak that he was raising a venture round that valued his entities at like 1.5 billion dollars. And it's just a guy who's making videos, right? And so like he had figured out how to hack the attention of people and translate that into value, which I think is a phenomenal leverage in today's day and age. So, you know, my view has been in a variety of ways, like create attention and you can create attention in all sorts of different ways, but then have a compelling way by which to translate that attention uh, into something like monetizable. That feels like a great playbook for delivering value consistently. My view is... What Beast has done in the physical world is going to eventually translate to the digital world. And so this idea that the next Mr. Beast or the next top 25 YouTube, you know, streamer or Twitch streamer, you know, they're going to continue to use physical objects by which to monetize, but more and more, like the ability to engage with a digital audience and a digital community using digital objects just feels like it's collapsing into one. And so I've had this thesis for a long time that you know, more and more we're gonna to start to see these streamers, these YouTubers, these VTubers, these, you know, people who who create products on Twitch or have been able to network themselves or generate massive amounts of attention, start leaning into web three Rails in order and the objects they're in, in order to interact and give communities the way to participate in in right. kind of what's being built. And that is kind of what uh, you know, I've been talking with Robin super massive about this concept for years. So uh for context, actually I reached out to Robin a few years ago because I was trying to hire him. Uh he's awesome. He's been making video content for the Defiant, which is a web three publication here um in, in our space. And his videos are just next level. Like it's always been clear that, you know, he's just had a talent for for creating content and concept and video work. And uh he stayed with the Defiant and and um we became you know friends. But eventually he told me about this idea that he wanted to create a Mr. Beast-like property for the metaverse, and it would be called Based AF, and it would run the same playbook. It would be running challenge videos, unboxing, um, experiments, uh, storytelling, concept, but it would all be pointed towards things like AR and VR and immersive environments, and that's essentially what just launched this last week. It was the, the first digital objects that are going to be part of that whole universe that he's created. Which has been really fun to kind of watch play out. Now, um, I'm so I will say that um, you know I'm an investor in Base AF, but this idea I think will be replicated by others. And I just want to flag this concept of the collapsing of attention and monetization into like a digital paradigm is like is coming to bear. And I'm excited for more and more experiments like this to play out because I just think it's a super cool concept and and one that that we're just at the very bleeding edge of.
1: So I watched the video and I, I, I didn't fully understand, like, what is the playbook? Walk me through what he's going to be doing over the next six months. And then how is this different than say someone like a Mr. Beast, like he's going to be doing it for the virtual worlds, but what does that mean exactly? Like how, what, what's the, what's the playbook look like?
0: Yeah. So I would say he's used, so they built a virtual production studio. They have motion caption software. They have, um, AR, VR immersion technology, and also an understanding of how crypto and blockchains are playing into all of these things. And so as it relates to the vertical of like, I, I just said a bunch of words, like I'm going to call all of that like the metaverse, right? And so mm-hmm. it could be VR, it could be AR, it could be, you know, mocap, it could be all of these things. Like to me, this is kind of like where we're headed in, ter- in, in terms of just like immersion into technology around like the metaverse. Like it's all it's kind of all these things bundled together. He wants to run like a content studio that's focused on teasing out how all of these technologies are coming together with Web3 and on their own. And he's going to do that by, you know, running a very similar playbook to how the top YouTube streamers and sub and and um providers of content have done it. And it's through things like talking about new technology that comes out in like an unboxing video or Mm -hmm. it could be running a marathon in the metaverse, which is what he's doing this week where he's putting on VR goggles and he's got the, you know, the tracking, um, treadmill and he's going to actually straight up try and run a legit marathon on top of that thing. That's
1: interesting. And so what you're saying is, I I like what you're saying. Let me, correct me if I'm wrong here. So what he's doing is saying, okay, the metaverse is right around the corner. It's this new emergent like thing that is is, you know, multiple. Who knows who's gonna win, but there's multiple ones coming and dropping over the next year and a half. Yes. I'm gonna be the person that entertains, has fun, teaches, and goes out and is the digital first. It's almost like when TikTok launched and everyone's like, oh shit, I gotta get a TikTok account. And and like the everyone rushes in. Like we've had this with influencers, right? Yes. Where it used to be Vine and then it was Instagram, and then it was like, you know there would be these services and and if they were if they were hot and had enough stickiness to them creators would rush in just to see is there anything here and if the platform performs it becomes massive and there there's stars in that platform so is 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 this kind of an idea where he's coming in to say okay let me go and and actually be first here you've and, totally and got a name for myself you've totally got it and it's a content
0: studio so he's got this huge team at this point i say huge probably got 10 people They've built out this amazing virtual production studio. They've got all the hardware, and they are just playing around. And that's what that's that's what Base AF is. They've got, you know, a storytelling concept around uh, these base heads and the trash land and this store, this universe that they've created. That will certainly be a component of Base AF. But the broad bucket is they want to tinker, experiment do crazy stuff around all of how they think the metaverse is coming out completely agnostic to whether that's going to be in something like the other side or it's going to be in something like Mona or it's going to be in something like Fortnite or it's going to be AR or VR or it's going to be with motion capture live streaming they want to do it all and they want to test it all and they want to have fun doing it and so um, it gets back to this idea of if you can properly you know run the same playbook as we've seen over the last 10 years around generating attention around this type of content and point it specifically to, you know, the intersection of Web3 and crypto and blockchains and do it in a way that um, gives ownership over digital objects to a community. I think there's some really interesting ingredients when put together could be quite compelling. So yeah, that's awesome. It'll be fun to kind of watch this one play out.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. Um I, I love these these you know who was very good at this is, was Gary V. He used to hit me up all the time whenever there was a new platform he'd be like, Kev, you gotta get on here, man. This is gonna blow which up. Which one did he
0: tell you about that poor that
1: uh we were we were playing around like there's old videos of Gary and I maybe like uh I don't know, maybe fifteen years ago where we were playing around with like it was the stuff that was like Twitter was 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 taking off, but then there was like some bolt on video platforms. And so we tried a few of them. Springboard was one of Q&A platform we were using for a while. And it would just be like anytime there was like a vine or anything else would drop, it'd be like, oh, this is the one. Let's let's rush in, you know, and just see if there's anything here. So there is, I know that game well, but I haven't seen anyone do it in in this world, which is pretty cool.
0: It is pretty cool. And like there is some barrier because like some of the stuff is pretty expensive. And one of the reasons why we haven't seen mainstream adoption around like the metaverse, it's like, it is yeah. expensive to buy $1,500 Apple VR goggles. Um, but uh I will say that like, you know, there is a first mover, structural first mover advantage to like being the person known to play with this stuff and geek out on this stuff and tell stories around this stuff. And I think that's the, uh that's the vision here. And it'll be fun to kind of watch it, watch it play, play out.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, let's talk about cold storage delegation. Yes, I know. This was a little. <laughs> no, I'm curious to know. I'm curious to know what this is all about because um, uh, Figgy hit me up a while ago when they were building this tech and then Yugo acquired them. Yes. Uh, and I think that's what this is. Is that right? It
0: is. So. Um... Yesterday. So Bored Apes is like, they've got some stuff that they're playing in. Like, I think there's the Jimmy the Trial thing or, uh, the trial of Jimmy the Ape is, um, is like being told right now. I think they're on like the third or fourth like episode of like that story. And there's a mint coming up and there has been a problem for, let's call it the last year and a half around people who have these expensive board Apes and these expensive mutant apes. And these assets being in cold storage, right? So having to use a ledger in order to interact with moving the asset or asserting control over the asset or web3 offing in and exposing the contents of everything in that cold wallet to the universe of the contracts that they're interacting with. And we've seen time and time again, for better or for worse, that you know, if you hold, you know, a, a sizable sum of assets in your cold wallet. You don't necessarily want to like continue to expose that wallet with like all of the contracts that could be out there in the universe of Ethereum or Solana or Avalanche or whatever it may be. And so there's been this growing desire by which to to disaggregate the ownership rights you have that exist in your cold wallet with the ability to like actually mint from a new contract based on like an airdrop or some new right that you get. And I think this is the the product. Um, that you're describing. It's called warm.xyz. And it was mm-hmm. part of we Knew, And I think that's sold to board apes. There's a second one that's growing pretty quickly. They've got like $200 million in total value locked inside the registry called delegate.cash. They're the mm-hmm. same concept. It's this concept that we need as an industry to get more sophisticated around how we can exercise our ownership over these assets without subjecting the entirety of our you know, sovereign wallet to a bad contract. And so mm. uh, yesterday, like this was a... I, Art Blocks did this first with friendship bracelets. So they incorporated delegate cash. So if you had an Art Blocks piece in your wallet and you were part of this registry, you had signed up and bestowed your the rights associated with your cold wallet to a random hot wallet, you could choose whatever one you wanted. Um, you could just mint from your hot wallet on the RPlox platform and mint your two friendship bracelets, even if you didn't have anything in the wallet you were minting from, right? Or the 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 public address that you were minting from. And so um Ward Ape took a cue and is now doing this too, which I think is great because we continue to see like these hacks come, you know, happen in the space, which to me is like throttling the ability for this space to get, you know, serious. And um I just love I just like structurally love seeing emphasis and effort made towards stuff like this because we just need to like grow up and like we can't be you know um, exposing everything that we own to everything new that we interact with uh, just because we want to access a new airdrop or just because we want to access some access control right that we're prevented from in wallets that we don't have the ownership in and so these delegation services are a way to take a step in that right direction and to start allowing the um the space to build around these standards so that we can prevent like the next big hack or the next big um, you know, uh, you know, trick or whatever maybe in one of these Discords or on Twitter or whatever wherever, you know, these things are happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is um it's a concept that I think a lot of people have talked about and I, I know delegate cash is is pretty awesome. Um I I we didn't have a chance to play uh with the one that we knew had had created, but I love this idea of there being a pointer to to prove ownership. You yeah. know and say this is this is actually my wallet over here. Let me sign this one and we're good to go, right? Exactly. Um, that's just so important. Uh, yeah, uh, this is this is certainly something I could see um as supporting for for feature mints as well. Like there's there's no there's no reason you should have your hot wallet like ready to go. In fact, we we added recently a proof to XYZ just the ability to connect multiple wallets. So, um, if you log in and create an account, you can tie in um authentication for you know five different ethereum wallets if you Love wanted it. and a twitter account and whatever and obviously, we can't touch any of those assets, but we've proven now that you hold and own those assets yeah. so if you if it's for simple things like claiming a reward and having something shipped to you, you don't have to pull out your hot wallet yes. right like that's 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 fine so that's um that's an easy one to to do and then obviously, if you need to move assets that's it's a whole nother matter but we don't want people to be interacting with their their cold wallets or their cold storage or having to pull out their ledger every single time they want to do a basic, you know, profile update totally. or something, right? It's also <laughs> just like terrible UX.
0: Like, I mean, it's take away the security stuff for a minute. It's like that you have to lug around this piece of hardware every time you want to do something interesting in this space is, you know, it can be uh, I think relaxing some of those frictions will just create a design space for better applications, better UX to get created, which I'm yeah. like very much in favor of.
1: You know, I'm optimistic that this can happen at the hardware level. Like, I, I, I hope that Ledger fixes this problem and MetaMask. It, it can happen at the software level as well. Yeah. Like, we need code that actually says in your face, this is going to be transferred out. Like, and point and show me the NFT that's going to be transferred, right? Like, that is probably doable, mm-hmm. you know? And so, we'll see. I, I feel like it's it should be like there should be a, a layer of software protection there from some of these wallets um, that I just haven't seen yet. So I know that's something that when I every time I talk to uh, the folks at Ledger, they're hard at work on this. I get it. Like, this is a huge, yeah, problem, huge problem they want to
0: support. Totally. I'm keeping a close eye on this, the stuff that Ledger's doing. They've really proven that. They, I mean, Ian over there is so sharp, but they've proven that so sharp. they get what great UX looks like and they know where they need to go and they're making every effort to get there yeah absolutely
1: all right um should we keep going? I think we've got uh one left one more story yeah, so uh, doodles this one i'm
0: we don't have to talk about this one i i i'm i I think it's cool. it's like in kind of it uh it kind of partners nicely with some of the stuff that we talked about last week, and I saw that Sam had posted it, which I thought was great. the idea is that shopify which um I think if folks aren't familiar with, it's a essentially a, a self-serve storefront that millions of people use to, you know, sell their wares, uh, in e-commerce style to uh, a consuming public. And they've grown very quickly over the last decade. They're an awesome tech company. Um, and they provide, you know, backend analytics and the tools needed to spin up a storefront very quickly for consumer goods. Um, so they've, They've certainly, you know, been kind of like a Web two success story, and I think for a lot of folks, they're looking to see how projects like Shopify start taking a point of view on Web three. And one way is by uh, what Shopify just announced yesterday, and, and this isn't it's seen in Sam's post is they're launching a token gated option where merchants can sell and or mint and sell NFTs and. Um, create access control around those NFTs for future services and products, whether it's merch or downstream events or whatever it may be. And so a little bit more modularity in terms of the types of things that can now be sold through Shopify um, Mm -hmm. that are specifically focused on kind of Web3 and Web3 access control, which was pretty interesting.
1: I think it's a a huge announcement. And in that Shopify is, you know, top tier, massive e commerce company, and just the idea that they're saying, okay, token uh, gated communities are important enough that we're going to build this in at the actual, you know, uh, protocol level is 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 huge. Like that, the fact that they're adding in token gated community support is is amazing. So, I have yet to um, play with the product yet, but there's, uh, I don't know, I could I could see. Shopify is so customizable. I've I've seen some massive e-commerce sites that run totally. on Shopify, and you would never know it, you know? And so I can imagine um this will just be powering a lot of the physical commerce that is tied to Web3. Totally. I think it was I, I had a, a chat with this, the CEO of Shopify, um, like a Zoom call with him maybe eight, six, eight months ago. And it was I knew this was coming just because he was talking about, you know buying and holding punks and Fidenzas and things like that. Like he's like hardcore in the space as well. well. So we were just chatting about, you know, what what NFTs were hot and what we were excited about at the time. And I just um uh, yeah, I mean this is a massive publicly traded company that is is basically, you know, saying they're they're all in on web three, um, which is which is great.
0: Yeah. Love to see it. And I think um dovetails really nicely with the conversation we had last week where like On the corporate side, it feels like these moves are definitely, they're awesome. Like it's going to be trickle, trickle, flood. Everyone eventually, like this will be table stakes. We're going to see everyone realize like the power of being able to build access control around digital objects for e-commerce. Like that is obviously understood by Shopify and I think it will be understood by others. I also think like the real zero to one innovations are going to come elsewhere. And so I just want to see everything. I want to see it all. I want to see Web2 incorporating Web3 standards, I want to see early stage, you know, founders really tinkering at the edges of what can actually be created with this design space. Um, but yeah. philosophically, just love that this is happening and super excited to see it um, see it announced.
1: Yeah, we're, we're in the same boat in that I think Web2 entering into Web3 is, is nothing but a good thing yeah. for the industry. Agreed. Uh, number one, they're, they have the eyeballs that we need in Web3. Like they're holding on to them. Totally. And so the more that they can build into their app and products and expose um their audiences to web three the better. And then lastly, they're just better at building consumer products. It's true. Like they they I they hate know to admit it, to do but it. it
0: is so true, dude. They are it you you're you're to to compete at a high level in web two is like takes a, a very specific set of skills and understanding and intelligence to like down to why people make single clicks during an experience. And right. you just don't see that type of um, fine-tuned building in Web3 yet because I think people are painting with broad brushstrokes, which I think is great because like everyone's trying to figure it out. But to your point, Kevin, it's like the expertise from a UI UX perspective f- coming out of web, like folks coming out of Web2 or some of these Web2 companies is just, often it's light years ahead of, of what we're seeing in Web3.
1: Yeah, I, I believe the best product companies in web three over the long term are going to leverage web two, uh, especially on the the design and and kind of usability side, um, to really come in and 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 hopefully help um turn what can be at times very geeky and very hard to understand um terminology and functionality and make it consumable, right? Like the the fact that we even had a conversation today about, you know dynamic pointers of warm and cold and hot wallets and what like what the difference is between those like you lost everyone in the world (laughs) except for you know the 200,000 people that are super excited about Web3 right now so it's like that can't be the path forward to the masses like no one is sitting there you know at the bus stop figuring out the warm wallets like wait like this is not this is not yeah we, we, we can do better so I'm excited
0: well Kev Another uh, another awesome episode in the books, dude.
1: Yeah, this has been great, dude, and and I love it. And I promise I will hit you up ahead of time so that we're not wearing matching beanies because I have the the matching beanie. Well, there we go, was, dude. That was just there a we go. Ridiculous, There uh, we go. Well, someone will take I'm a screen grab it. and post it on Twitter for us, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we avoided that catastrophe. That, that, that was that was close. Um, awesome. All right, brother. Talk soon. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. That is it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to help us out, head on over to proof.xyz and click on the reviews button at the very top and leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much. Take care.